0: Hey, folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Fancy Feast.
1: I'm writhing in pleasure, and I'm like, yes, oh, eat this. But in my head, I'm like, he's eating so much of my body glitter. (laughs)
0: That and more. But before that, do you know what I literally just did about 10 minutes ago? I just bought nine different books on Amazon to give to my various family members when I go home to Ohio for Christmas this year. Books. I I was just reading about how books are proven scientifically to be good for your mental health. And a book that everyone in your life would probably appreciate because it's so packed full of surprising and inspiring and fun and horizons expanding stories is The Risk book. You know, it's such a wonderful book that someone wrote this song about it. You bought the Risk Book yet? If you have, buy more for friends. There are old new versions of classic stories and six never heard before elsewhere. There's a bunch of famous people in it. Say
2: what? And Q and A
0: with all the authors. The
2: Risk Book has stories that are funny and scary and lovely and totally fucked.
0: The gift of gift to friends <laughs> And it's getting all kinds of raves On audiobook, ebook, and paperback Where books are sold Or theriskbook.com. Buy By the Risk Boy. That's right, my friends. You can buy The Risk Book as a paperback or an audiobook or an ebook to give to all your friends and family this holiday season. Go to theriskbook.com or wherever books are sold. Now here's the show. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison. This is Jim Black behind me now, and we are calling this week's episode With Body in Brooklyn, Three, If you remember, last year, we did this enormous show at the Bell House in Brooklyn with Dixie De La Tour of the Body Storytelling Show and Podcast that's based in San Francisco. Dixie came out to Brooklyn and we co-hosted a show together. It was such a fabulous show last year that we got two episodes out of it with Body in Brooklyn, one and two, and then we did the whole damn thing again this year with a whole new cast of characters all new stories another epic amazing evening of kinky stories the theme was pervert and everyone in the room was one (laughs) by the way if you've never heard the body storytelling podcast you've got to check it out it is fabulous they're going to be running some material from this evening that we collaborated together on that we won't be running so there's something for everyone on both risk and body both of our podcasts but we here on this episode are going to start things off with a story that i told on this particular evening at the bell house it is called anything twice You know, some people raise their eyebrows (laughs) when they learn that I am mostly into younger guys. I was very much into guys who were my age when I was in my 20s. And then when I moved on into my 30s and 40s, it just kind of stayed that way. (laughs) And when people are giving me a hard time about this, they always say the same thing. They say, but Kevin... Guys in their 20s are so dumb. (laughs) And I think that's unfair. That doesn't sit well with me because, in fact, I find that I have learned an awful lot from a lot of the younger guys that I've dated. I'll give you an example. About five years ago, I was scrolling through this hookup app called Scruff, Right? Uh, it's kind of like grinder, but I guess for slightly scruffier guys. And I saw someone there who was just adorable to me. He looked like, actually he looked uncannily like Justin Bieber, but don't stop listening. <laughs> because he also looked intelligent. Somehow both of those things were happening at the same time. Like, he looked like a version of Justin Bieber who would actually know how to eat a burrito. <laughs> so, I get very interested in him, and as I'm looking at his profile, I can see that he's trans as well. Uh, we'll call him Mike. Now, I became very interested because a couple of months prior, I had been at this kink camp event where I developed a huge crush on a trans guy, but that I had never been with a trans person before, so I, I, it was all so new to me that I became so nervous and shy that for the entire four days of that kink camp, I could not bring myself to say hello to that fella so i was like fuck it kevin don't let that bullshit happen again say hello and of course it's a lot easier on an app right so i said hello and the two of us start talking and sure enough he is very smart and also very direct he says listen couple of things you should know about me. I am a very dominant guy and I like mind fucking. <laughs> he said I like to take older guys and kind of put them through an ordeal. <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't sure whether that was up my alley or not. But when someone is adorable, I become very flexible. So, (laughs) the second thing he said was, and you know, I hope you've read my profile, you know that I am trans, I should tell you, I have had top surgery, but down below, everything is the same as when I was born. I do not call it my vagina, I call it my front hole. And if you want to play with me, you're going to have to get up close and personal with that realm, and I said, okay, let me be honest with you, I have been having sex for decades, (laughs) lots and lots and lots of it, but I have never been up close and personal with that area, with that organ, and so it will be very, very new for me, but I'm game. So, I decided, why don't we have a dinner date first? Because, you know, when someone says, I want to put you through an ordeal, it's a good idea to suss things out first, right? so we had this dinner date and my gosh it was so exciting we were just geeking out turns out he really was quite insightful and very very experienced he was going off with me about all these various sexual activities and kinks that he had tried or he'd like to try and eventually the conversation got around to you know more extreme stuff that either one of us or both of us had never tried or were not sure if we'd ever tried so I think I brought up something like scat play or something like that and I said uh, how about that and he said to me well I'll try anything twice (laughs) and that really struck me I was like holy shit this guy is like the little Buddha of BDSM because that seemed so wise to me I said you know what The first time I tried water sports, it was incredible. I was with this guy who I guess was extremely well hydrated. And I was just instantly in heaven. I didn't know what I'd think of it, but I ended up loving it. I must have drank a half a gallon of his pee that day. But the second time I did water sports, It was with a guy who I was not aware had had asparagus for lunch. And when that stuff hit my tongue, I took him by the waist and hurled him across the room, like the girl in the exorcist does to her mother. Hurled him across the room. He he bounced off a wall. <gasps> I was mortified, and he was mortified. I was just apologizing, apologizing, apologizing for having ruined everything. And but of course, I was not going to drink that as fairly as So that's why it struck me as being so wise that Mike had said, I'll try anything twice. Because if my water sports experiences had happened in reverse, I would not be the piss pig that I am today. (laughs) I now know that you should always negotiate with someone earlier in the day, hold the asparagus. So the date was fantastic, and then a couple days later, the day finally came for us to play. Now, <laughs> Mike really lived up to his fucking threat, okay? One of the first things he had, you know, he had it blindfolded, you know, hands tied behind the back, all that thing, but he had me kneeling on rice on a hardwood floor. I'm like, we've gone directly to Baghdad here. <laughs> He tied his boots to my wrist and had me holding it like this, like in a crucifixion pose, until I, there were tears streaming down my eyes. He got me on all fours on the bed and had this giant flogger, and, was, and it was not rhythmic flogging. It was not meditative flogging, my friends. It was just whipping the holy crap out of me. Then he would stop for a split second and quiz me with a question like, Why is Generation X so arrogant? (laughs) And it's very hard to come up with the right answer when you're in such pain. So if I couldn't answer his quiz questions appropriately, he'd just flog me all the harder. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is working for me, but, you know, I'm trying to be as game as possible. Now now the pants start coming off, right? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what kind of Marquis de Sade sort of thing is going to happen? Now, you know, is my first encounter with a vulva going to be like the passion of the Christ? (laughs) But, but, But no, no. When the pants came off, everything changed, profoundly. His tone, his energy. He literally went into aftercare mode. He was caressing my head, he got me some water to drink, calming me down, brought me into bed, and he laid back in bed and he said, very gently, now I want you to eat me out, but I'm gonna teach you what all the parts are, and exactly how it should be done. So everyone knows that I am very, very, very experienced with analingus. (laughs) So when we'd been negotiating about this on the app, I was like, what's the difference? (laughs) Now that I was five inches from his front hole, as he called it, I was like, oh my God, this is like the first time I ordered a whole lobster at the restaurant, (laughs) which is like, wait, what the fuck do I do with all this? Is all of this safe to eat? (laughs) But sure enough, he walked me through it. You know, he was so encouraging and he was so patient. It was like being with a sex educator, but one who was incredibly hands on. <laughs> no, he was like, okay, this is the glands of the clitoris, and here's the labia, and it's best if you suck this part rather lightly and then run your tongue north to south on this part. It was just so relaxing that I just felt like I was just being taken such good care of for this incredibly new thing for me that I just kind of loved it. I I was kind of loving the learning. I was very unsure as to how exactly I was doing from from moment to moment, but Eventually, I I proved to be at least good enough to bring things to a satisfying conclusion for him. And that was amazing. I was just like, holy cow, we made that happen. (laughs) So we lay back in bed together, and now we're just kind of like holding each other and just kind of unpacking what had happened. And that's when he said something to me. That threw me a little bit. He said, you know, I noticed you didn't have an erection. And I take it that means you didn't like it? And now it was time for me to share some of my wisdom, the wisdom of age. I said, oh, no, Mike, listen. People make way, way, way too big a deal about the whole idea of getting an erection, and then maintaining an erection, and working your way toward orgasm, and then ejaculating semen all over the fucking place. <laughs> when in fact, none of that is necessary. I said, I just had the most fascinating, the most unforgettable, the most wonderful, and yes, the most hot Time with you right here. So don't you worry about that at all. And he said, okay, good. Yeah, lesson learned. And then he said, but would you try it again? And I said, well, that's what you taught me. I'll try anything twice. Woo! (laughs) Woo! Goodness gracious! Thank you so much. I am so happy to bring our first storyteller up to the stage. He's one of our favorites. He's done so many. This is his fifth time, I think, being up on a risk stage. He's even been on this one before here at the Bell House. He is currently touring. Two different solo shows I Favor My Daddy, awarded Best Bet at the 2018 New York International Fringe Festival, and the multi award winning Dangerous When Wet Booze, Sex, and My Mother, based on his (laughs) critically acclaimed memoir. And he said he is rock hard to be making his fifth Risk Live show appearance. Please welcome to the stage Jamie Brinkos!
3: Oh, I saw some of you earlier and it's a hot kinky crowd out there tonight. But you know, I miss the old days of picking up a guy face to face in person before Grinder and Scruff took over. I mean, you know, supposedly now with those apps you're supposed to know exactly what you're getting before you get it. You know, the labels top, bottom, verse, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> water sports, S&M, nip play, etc. But in the old days, you figured all that stuff out as you went along. That was part of the adventure. But I did find out that it was smarter to negotiate what you want up front. So back in the last century... <laughs> yeah. One... Yummy Saturday afternoon. It was the first hot day of summer. And I had nothing to do except the possibility of sex with a new stranger. So I go out for a stroll. And I think, you know, I'm going to do a little daytime drinking to start things off. And I go into my bar of choice at that time, The Works. This was on the Upper West Side. That bar is long gone. It has been replaced by a children's clothing store. (laughs) That's just about right for the Upper West Side these days. So I walk into the bar from the glare of the sunny day into that dark cave, and there's the cool hum of air conditioning. And as my eyes become adjusted to the gloom, To my delight, I see there are a few delightful possibilities scattered about. But I choose to sit at the bar next to an impossibility, i.e. a guy who's super hot and out of my league. He looks like a pint-sized George Clooney, the way George Clooney would have looked in those days, so he's younger, he's hotter, he's on that TV show ER. But even better for me and much hotter for me, is that he looked like my old college pal, Chris. And Chris, everybody wanted to sleep with Chris, and he was a good friend of mine. And I was so mad that I never did seal the deal with him, even when I had the chance once. But I thought, no, I don't want to mess up our friendship. That was back in the days when I still had morals. (laughs) Now, I, even in my youth, was never hot. I was cute. But I had a lot of sex, and I could seal the deal most of the time because of my willingness and my enthusiasm. I was like a, a cabaret performer who doesn't really sing, but he can sell a song through personality. <laughs> so I order my drink, um, Beefeater Gin Martini, up, dry with a twist. Impossible, next to me, has already got his Rolling Rock beer, and he's, you know, olive complexion just starting to tan, and he has a navy blue eyes odd and khaki shorts, and I'm in shorts, and I get my martini, and I take my first long, deep sip, and I look over my glass at him. And then he mirrors me and pulls on the neck of his beer as he takes a swig) <laughs> And then we start the banter. Hey, what's up, how are you? My name's Jamie, what's your name? Oh, I'm Brian, what are you up to? Oh, nothing much, just looking for some fun. What kind of fun? Um, sex? (laughs) I told you, I'm enthusiastic. And as I say that, I give my martini a rim job. I I go over it with my index finger like this. And then his knee starts to press into my bare knee. And he says, uh, well, what kind of sex? What do you get into? And I said, well, I don't know. I just like sex. And, you know, I, I live just two blocks from here. Now, convenience is another factor if you want to seal the deal. Because I'm telling you right now, if there's a guy next to you who's hotter than you, but you live two blocks away and he lives in another borough, you're going to win. So he says, oh, yeah, just two blocks, huh? And I said, yeah. And um, he says, well, what are you into? I said, you know, I, 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 just, I just like to have a good time. And he said, well, like, what's your wildest fantasy? Now, I've never been into kink. It's not something I seek out. However, I am a people pleaser. I'm compliant. So, you know, if you want me to fist fuck you, I'll fist fuck you. <laughs> Which I did, I've done it multiple times But the first time I did it was when I was in college And I picked up this guy at a bar And then we're having sex in the back seat of my car And he asked me to Stick a couple of fingers up there And then two fingers became three fingers Became four, became a whole fist And I almost lost my high school class ring (laughs) And I made the mistake During a game of truth or dare Of telling my friends about this Which forever earned me the nickname Puppet Man (laughs) So, and if you want me to pee on you, I'll pee on you. Just don't pee on me, okay? Kevin will talk later. Um, And in fact, I'll even can my piss, if that's what you want. When I came out of a sex club in San Francisco, Blow Buddies, and I had my fun, so I go up to the clothes check guy, and I hand him my ticket, and he's drinking an O'Doul's beer. I say, oh, you know, hold on, I'll, I'll be right back. I've got to pee. He smiles. He says really bad? I said, yeah. And he chugs the rest of that O'Dules and he hands me the can. Do me a favor, buddy. Pee into that. So I did. And he drank it. I told you I'm a people pleaser. And if you want me to be a wayward, runaway teenage boy to your priest, Father Ritter... I'm your guy. That was a game that my common-law husband, Michael, and I used to play in our early relationship. And now, if you, before you get icked out about the whole priest um, teenage thing, you know, the whole fun of role play is to do something forbidden that might even be illegal in the real world. But we were consenting adults, and we usually played it while taking a bath together. And he would say, hey, um, kid, it must feel good to have a nice hot bath after hitchhiking those highways for all that time and I'd say yeah it sure does father it feels real good and that feels good too and then we'd get out of the bathtub and we'd have our own hot sex so I turned back to my new friend Brian and I said well you asked the question so I'll bet you have a fantasy in mind he says yeah I do I said, all right, come on, give it up. He says, well, um, growing up, my best friend was Jimmy. Well, little Jimmy. Everybody called him that because his daddy was big Jimmy. And we lived down the street from each other, and we used to play at each other's houses, and we would just, you know, we would walk in, and we'd never knock on the door, because that's how close we were. And I always had a big crush on him. And I don't know if little Jimmy felt the same way or even knew it. But when I was in junior high, one afternoon, I go over to his house. And I walk through the back kitchen door like I normally did. And I said hello to little Jimmy's mom. And she says, hi. And I says, little Jimmy, home? And she says, yeah, he's upstairs in his bedroom. Go on up. I says, thanks. And I go upstairs. And I'm like, yeah? and his door's shut, but it's just cracked open. Uh-huh, and I push open the door. Yeah, and there's little Jimmy. What's he doing? Now, when Brian is telling me this, he's not looking at me, he's looking just past me. And his eyes are glazed over and he's almost in a trance. And I have to tell you, it's turning me on, watching him getting turned on by this old childhood memory. And even though he's not looking at me, he's pressing that bare knee harder into mine. I said, so go on. So there's little Jimmy and he's on the bed. What's he doing? Well, his bare butt is in the air and his pants and his underwear are tangled up around his ankles. And he's humping his pillow. Oh, that's hot. (laughs) So I stood there for a second, and then I said, Little Jimmy. And he turned around, and he looked over his left shoulder at me, and he was beet red. And he said, Hey, buddy, you caught me. And I said, Yeah, I did, little Jimmy. Then what'd you do? Well, then I, I walked up to the front of the bed, and I think I'm pretty hard and I said yeah I'm pretty hard right now too and I got on top of the bed in my knees and little Jimmy reached over to my, to my groin I said that's pretty hot I said so do you want to replay that little story he says yeah man are you up for it I said yeah I said now let me guess I'm little Jimmy right he said yeah I said, well, all right. I said, give me a five minute head start. I'll run back to my apartment. And by the way, you're in luck because I live in a duplex. So my bedroom is a flight up. So you're going to get to walk up the stairs. So it's going to be even that much more real. It's going to be
2: authentic.
3: So I gave him my address and I gulped down the rest of that martini and I sprint those two blocks to my apartment faster than Jesse Owens, and I live in a five-floor walk-up, and I run up those stairs, two stairs at a time, and I am so pumped on the adrenaline of anticipation. My heart is beating faster than Thumper the Rabbit's hind foot, and I get into my apartment, and I race upstairs to the bedroom, and I unmake the bed, and I put the humping pillow in place... And then I go downstairs, and I wait by the buzzer. And while I'm waiting, I'm anticipating how we're going to play out the whole little Jimmy thing and and what his cock might be like. And then I'm thinking, I'm finally going to get to have sex with college Chris with his doppelganger. And there was a time when I, there was one afternoon with College Chris, when we were freshmen, when we almost did it, we were, we were studying for some sex and ethics course, and we veered off into a tangent about our first time, and then we just locked eyes, and we held the moment for a few seconds, and we smiled, and all I had to do was get off my bed and walk to him where he was sitting in the desk chair, and we would have done it. But Idiot! that I am I broke the moment and I said I don't think we ought to we're too good of friends and I've regretted it ever since but I'm finally gonna get him through Brian so I'm standing there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm like he's not coming he just played me for a fool or worse A hotter guy saddled up into the bar next to him after I left, who lives a block closer. And then, "Eh," the buzzer. Oh, thank God. I buzz him in without saying anything. And then I run upstairs And I get on the bed, and I push down my shorts and my underwear, and I tangle them up real nice around my ankles. And then I start humping the pillow. But I've really never been a pillow humper. It just doesn't work for me. So I kind of cheat, and I lie on my back, and I get myself all excited and ready that way until I hear him open the door downstairs. And then I go back to the pillow, and I'm humping that pillow, and I'm looking at my headboard. My head's going in and out, in and out like this. And I hear him open the door and shut the door. And then I hear him say hello to little Jimmy's mother. And then I hear him ask if little Jimmy is at home. And then I hear him say, okay, thanks. I'll go on up. And as my head is going in and out, looking at the headboard, I'm thinking, wow, he really knows this story verbatim. (laughs) And he is playing it down to the last inch. And then I hear him coming up the stairs. Slowly. One step at a time and with each step i'm getting harder and then he reaches the top of the stairs and he pushes open the door and after a couple of seconds i hear little jimmy (laughs) and i look over my shoulder almost in slow motion and I know my face is beat red, not from embarrassment, from, but from that martini and, and racing those two blocks and running up those five flights of stairs. And I look at him and I say, oh, buddy, you caught me. And he says, yeah, I did. And then he walks up to the bed and he gets on to the bed with his tenting crotch and he, he's on the bed on his knees, and I reach over, and I start to unzip his shorts, and he kind of pulls back, and then I go further, and I unzip the shorts, and there are his tidy whities and I pull out his beautiful, fat cock, and I want to say, hold the bond mustard on the side. <laughs> And then I do a head lunge towards his groin. And then he stands up off the bed. And I'm like, but, but. And then he pulls up his pants and his underpants. And then he stuffs that kielbasa that's quickly becoming a Vienna sausage into his tidy whities And he zips up his shorts. And I said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, thanks, buddy. That was great. And I said, but wait aren't we gonna make our own fantasy now? And he said, no. That was it. You did a good job. (laughs) That was it! (laughs) I don't say that, I think that, because I'm so, I'm in shock. And he leaves. And I am lying on the bed, draped over the humping pillow like a deflated balloon. (laughs) And I hear him go down the stairs and I hear him open and close the door. He doesn't bother to say goodbye to little Jimmy's mother, which I think is rude. (laughs) And then I'm thinking, this guy is in a rut. You know, I had been patting myself on the back that maybe I was hotter than I think because I landed this guy. But it didn't matter if I looked like Brad Pitt or Steve Buscemi. It was all about willing to play the game, do the story. And then I wonder if there are other little Jimmy victims like me out there. And I want to find them and start a support group. And I wanted to say, what about my fantasy? I wanted College Chris. But then, of course, I didn't tell him that's what I wanted. I didn't negotiate beforehand. If I had been smart, I would have said, you know what? I'll trade you a little Jimmy for a College Chris. So now, these days, of course, I'm on the, the apps. I mean, it's the only way to get laid, and, and I don't drink anymore, so the idea of hanging out at a bar and nursing an o'duls is not appealing to me for many reasons. But those apps, they tell you a lot, but I don't think there's one category on there that says, needs to relive childhood fantasy over and over and over. So what do I want? Well, let's just start with tonight. Besides rapturous applause from you people.
2: All right.
3: Woo! Wow, that worked. Yes. I saw a hot guy at the back of the bar over there who looked a lot like college Chris, and here's what I want. I want him to take me home feed me an Odul's beer sans piss, thank you very much and I want him to fuck me and when he fucks me I want him to call me little Jimmy while I scream
2: college oh, grass
0: This is Risk. This is Reformed Horrors behind me now. Now we were lucky to have them perform live for us that night that Body uh, and Risk per- collaborated. In. You can find Reformed Horrors at reformedhorrors.com. Now, let's get back to the big risk and body storytelling collaboration show of 2018. As you know, I co hosted the evening that night with the fabulous Dixie De La Tour, the host and creator of the Body Storytelling Show out of San Francisco. Here she is now. It's Dixie De La Tour introducing our next storyteller.
4: stuff, like when you do a shout out people are just like, I really want to help I've been sitting in the audience, I don't have anything to do but listen to amazing stories Jamie just gave a shout out to make something happen and it is guaranteed to happen tonight (laughs) I know it and I'm still kind of shocked because that was essentially our first storyteller for the night and we kind of have a rule at body that the first storyteller doesn't talk about fisting (laughs) Because it's kind of like calling out all the other perverts and suddenly every single person in the show is like, did I mention there was some fisting? Like, everybody has fisting. I want y'all to listen for it because you're going to say, more fisting? Seriously? Really? (laughs) Our next storyteller has been on quite a roll. 2016, she won Miss Coney Island. In 2017, she received an award at the New York Burlesque Festival. And this year, first time she's ever done risk and body storytelling. She's a writer, a burlesque performer, a sex educator, and a first-time storyteller. So that means make so much noise for a fancy feast.
1: Oh, hi. I'm a burlesque performer, which means I've been taking off my clothes for money for seven years. Not a lot of money, but seven long years. And one day I got a phone call from a producer who was uh, creating a private immersive party event and wanted to hire me as an atmosphere performer. When you're an atmosphere performer, that's kind of like if you've ever been to the Ren Fair. there's like assorted troubadours who just kind of are like, oh, I'm a lady. Like that would be me except for rich people. (laughs) And um, she said, oh, so the party is gonna be loosely themed around the seven deadly sins. And she kind of paused for a moment. She's like, can you portray the sin of gluttony? No offense. It's not personal, <laughs> but it totally is. So for, the, for those of you who um, are out there in radio land, who can't see me, I am fat. And the idea of being gluttony is something that I have tried to escape my entire life. The idea that if I'm not on the mic, I'm like backstage shoving, you know, food and roll ups in my face. And I don't even know what, like that there's this fear of assuming the stereotype. Of confirming that belief for people and it's gotten to the point where although like I have done so many years of self work and self love and self care it is just easier not to eat in public because I often get comments from people so if I'm eating something that they perceive as healthy like I had mango with chili and lime from one of those street carts and some lady walked past me and was like that's a healthy choice good job (laughs) bitch um
0: (laughs) like, it's fucking mango. It's
1: delicious. <laughs> and, uh, but if I'm eating a snack, like if I'm having ice cream, someone will walk past and, and go, oh, you know, that goes right to the herbs. My sister's like you, and, you know, she did this program. Like, I hear that shit all the time. <sighs> but then I remember the voice of my mentor, Rosewood, who is an amazing shock artist. And she said, not everybody gets to be a princess some people are going to be monsters and it is a very generous act to be a monster for somebody so the party itself was kind of like the planet from avatar it was a little pandora-ish there were bioluminescent stuff and like fake plants hanging from the ceiling it was very lush I said yes, by the way, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I said yes. Fuck yeah. Um, I was like, how much does it pay? Got it. I'll do it. Uh, Honey needs money. The... The party was super dense and lush, and there was like drum and bass music, and for the first half of the night, I had selected an outfit that I thought was kind of the Dionysian idea of excess, so I had a long gold fringe skirt, and I slathered my body in glitter lotion, and I put pasties on my nipples, and in my hair I wore plastic fruit with rhinestones on it. I was placed on top of the bar And my job was to just lay on the bar and greet people as they came in. And I had an enormous silver tray with grapes on it. So my whole job, just to feed people grapes as they came in. The clientele start trickling in. And everybody is extremely expensive. And (laughs) the women look... Glamorous, and they are wearing tasteful things with like, maybe there's this one crate, they're like, oh, I have earrings, crazy, you know? <laughs> and the men are all in these very nice suits, and everybody looks so rich and so fucking miserable to be there. <laughs> and I am their welcome wagon on top of the bar, so I, I muster the courage to say, while you wait for your craft cocktail, would you care for a fruit snack? And surprisingly, people warm to me. They're starting to, to eat, to interact. I have one dude come up to me, and he's like, oh, yeah, can I get you for my Snapchat? It was very welcoming <laughs> of him. And there's, there's a couple of guys who are just kind of hanging out by the bar because uh, they probably feel as awkward as I do. And one of them hands me his vape pen. And as I'm taking long puffs from it, he asks, so what's it like to be hot for a living? And I look at him in the eye (laughs) and blow smoke or vapor into his face and I say, it's fucking boring. (laughs) Why don't you buy me a drink? (laughs) Um, I threw the drink away, I don't care. I just wanted him to spend a little money. And so the party, I don't know if you've ever been to rich people parties, but I've done a couple of them at this point and they they all kind of get to this like dystopian kind of messy place at a certain point. Like no matter if they start off at like a luncheon, they always kind of end up in this like fall of Rome destruction place. (laughs) People are going into the bathroom three or four at a time and they're not closing the doors. Uh, I look at a guy, and I'm like, he is just smelling his phone. I don't know what the fuck that is. Just smelling it. Until I was like, cocaine. Yes, cocaine. Cocaine. (laughs) That's that's what he's doing. (laughs) Um, and, And so I feel very fortunate to be Above it all, on top of the bar, uh, where I can just sort of watch and observe, and that's when a uh, production assistant taps me in and is like, "Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be changing into the second half of the evening." So uh, I get whisked away to the backstage. The uh, the second half of the night, they were like, "Just base your costume loosely on Hieronymus Bosch's painting, The Garden of Earthly Delights." <laughs> a style guide. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen it it's like it's a completely whacked out painting from like the year 1500 and everybody in it is naked completely naked <laughs> except for like some people have bird heads and some people are getting like pitchforked by like a scorpion man with his butt out <laughs> So I didn't bring a second look I was like the body is the look that's so I take off the fringe and the pasties and I remove the fruit from my hair but I feel underdressed Uh, so I ask my friend if I can borrow a few lengths of her black nylon rope and I tie a body harness around myself and I'm like that's that's tasteful it's black it's New York (laughs) and The production assistant is like, okay, cool, so here is your prop for the second half of the evening. So we've switched from like, oh, indulgent, fun, sin stuff into like heavy sort of like intensities of the consequences of living so poorly or whatever the fuck. (laughs) So, um, So my prop is a shuddering, glistening, enormous Boston cream cake. And my job... For this half of the party is to walk around and see if i can feed people bites of the cake so i take one step out from the backstage and i instantly recognize the situation from many of my adolescent nightmares i am the only naked person at the party everyone's still wearing their fancy suits but now i'm seeing them at like cockroach eye level you know there's no bird's eye view i'm not on top of the bar i'm not a radiant goddess with my grapes i am myself i am five foot one and there's something sticky on the floor and i don't want to know what it is so i'm walking around and asking oh would you like a bite of help oh, no would you like a bite of oh okay i'm yes, sorry and Around me, there are other performers. So there's one guy who is um, dragging lighter, fluid-soaked wands across people's skin and igniting them, so there's little bursts of flame everywhere. Uh, There is a woman in a chair with a knife slicing her mouth open, and fake blood is just dripping down um, her face and her body. My friend has a giant python, Fantasia, and is walking around with her and just kind of showing her off. Uh, And then there's a a performer who is dressed in a paper mache pig mask. Who's on a a high platform admiring herself in a mirror? And then there's a dominatrix in a cage in the basement screaming and dragging people in and beating them. And then there's me. Do you want some cake? No. Do you want no? Okay. Uh, And in the dungeon area of the sin-themed party a man in a paul smith suit tells me that he is on a cleanse (laughs) motherfucker I, i turn and i look at a couple and offer them the cake and they're like oh sorry we're really trying not to do the gluten thing and i i turn and i find some guy who's like you know, trying to suck on a performer's tit. And I'm like, "Uh," and he's like, I already drank my calories in champagne tonight. And I look around and I notice that people are not making eye contact with me. And I feel strangely and inexplicably invisible. And this thing happens where I kind of just exit my body for a second. I feel my face get hot and then I don't feel anything. And I'm above myself watching myself fail at this. And I feel so alone. But I still have the rest of my shift. So I decide to just pivot. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore because this feels fucking terrible. So I leave the dungeon. I go back to the main floor. And I find a black leather chaise. And I lie down on it. And I set the cake next to it. And I look at the cake. And I just decide to put my finger right on its meniscus (laughs) and then I penetrate it and I pull the cake out just frosting and crumbs and it makes a slow arc in its trajectory into my mouth and I decide in that moment that gluttony has decided that this is the best fucking thing she's ever had in her life So I amp up the pleasure that is going through my body as I eat. And I am refusing to break eye contact with the people who have noticed what I'm doing. I am watching them watch me. And I take another bite of that fucking cake. (laughs) And the cake is so yummy. (laughs) And by then people have started to gather around me and they are watching me. And I can't tell if they're looking at me or the cake or my body or if it seems like some of them are like whenever I swallow, they seem like they're swallowing. And I'm like, are they trying to eat through me? Do you want to fuck me, be me, eat me? What's what's happening? And uh, a man in a black angel wings with a mask on goes from standing to then on his knees and starts crawling towards me. And he asks, can I feed you? And I say, you may. (laughs) And he grabs a handful of the cake and extends his hand towards me. And I grab him by the wrist and I suck the cake off of his palm and lick his fingers and stare him in the eyes and say, thank you. And it's kind of the Walking dead now. People are really <laughs> honing in on me a little bit. And I see a woman who is maybe the next fattest person to me in the room because she's like a size eight, gasp. And, and she looks like she's near tears. And I'm wondering if she is also feeling invisible in the room that night. The man in the angel wings leaves, and another man has taken his place. And he is wiping cake across my collarbone and licking and sucking it off. And, you know, I'm writhing in pleasure, and I'm like, yes, oh, eat this. But in my head, I'm like, he's eating so much of my body glitter. (laughs) 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 I hope that shit is (laughs) non-toxic. I'm starting to get kind of yucked out from how much sugar, like, cake really isn't my... I'm not really a cake person, it's not really my thing, and I'm also, like, my immune system is, like, pretty good, but I've been licking a lot of strangers tonight, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Like, I start getting a little overwhelmed, and I kind of go back into me mode, and me is completely uh, just sort of above her pay grade in this moment, so... I lie and I say that my shift is ending and that I need to go. And so I stand up and I pick up the rest of the cake and I beeline for the backstage. And as I'm leaving, I hear voices behind me and it's men saying, wait, stop, I didn't get to feed you yet. Come back, you need to have more. Go to the backstage. (laughs) Shut the door. (laughs) Spit out the cake, drink some water, wash my face. And in that moment, I felt so full and I, I don't just mean of cake because as I got dressed to leave, I realized that I got paid to be at a place that they had to pay to go to and that they had to continue to be whoever it was that they were and that whatever they were hungry for, whatever they were not able to give themselves voice to, whatever kind of appetites that they had been rejecting, I was able to just breeze through it, collect my check, and go. So sometimes it is very generous to be a monster, and sometimes it is a very generous thing to feed one. Thank you.
0: It's very hard to subtly walk out on stage with this. (laughs) I want to tell you a little something about this toy. Uh, You know, a lot of stories that have been shared on Risk don't end up making it to the podcast for all kinds of reasons. But the worst reason is that some of them get lost because recording equipment goes wrong or computers crash or something like that. And so... It amazes me how often I think back on the ones that got away. Like, there was this one story that a dominatrix once shared at me. She came over to my apartment and shared this story. She said that when she started doing dominatrix work, she got a call from this man who said, I want you to hit me, hit me in the face. I want you to beat the fuck out of me. And... When he came on over, she was surprised to find that he was a Hasidic man. You know, he was all dressed up in the ultra-Orthodox Jewish garb and everything. And she was like, oh, wow, this is intense, you know? This is against his religion, and he's doing this. So she's like, okay, but he told me everything he wants. So she just started the whole session off by whacking him in the face, and his eye popped out. (laughs) It was not a fake eye. It was his eye hanging by the ocular nerves. And she's like, now my job is to take this man to the hospital. That one, we lost that motherfucker. There was also Sierra Lynch. Sierra Lynch once told the story. She sells stuff online. She'll sell her used panties or her used bras or whatever. And one time she told the story about getting involved with this one man, emails back and forth, and it just became very intense. And what he wanted, she ended up selling him for $4,000, one Tupperware bowl full of her feces, One bowel movement for (laughs) $4,000. I was like, wait a minute, how do I get into that line of work? But no, so we lost that story, but Sierra did come on the podcast recently to try to advertise the things she sells. And I I was so impressed. She calls that, she still offers that item for sale, but she calls it booty caviar. (laughs) I think that's good marketing. But years ago, I was all convinced that I had to buy myself as many new and fabulous sex toys as I possibly could, and people had talked about the legendary Enjoy 11. The Enjoy company makes all of their products out of stainless steel. So this motherfucker is $300, it's three pounds, and it's solid stainless steel, and for something that expensive, it's it, it it's a difficult thing to realize I purchased, considering that I cannot handle this going up my butt. And rarely meet anyone who can. Uh, but I was once stopped by a TSA agent. I was going out to going out to San Francisco, so I was like, I better bring the eleven. They were like, no, is this you can absolutely kill someone with this thing. So, a few years ago, a story was told on the show that we uh, unfortunately lost. It was in Reno, Nevada. It was the dominatrix who stared. The, the dominatrixes have some stories, my friends. She shared this story about a client who contacted her, and he said he was raised devoutly Christian. Now... You might have already noticed if you listen to Risk, like whenever the story starts with, I was raised devoutly Christian, it's gonna be a shit show. So this guy comes to her and talks about how much shame and guilt and, and all that. And and somehow, he makes clear to her that Satan, throughout all his his childhood, was very real to him. Like a very dangerous, real threat that might be lurking anywhere and, and might grab him and do terrible things to him. So she didn't even negotiate this with him. She was a mindfucker. She, she was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tie this guy up and blindfold him, and I'm going to be satan for him. She she got herself a voice box and so she made her voice sound like this. And she got herself like a flamethrower so she's throwing flames all around him. It was insane and he was truly terrified. Well, she came to a point in the story that always stops me in my tracks because she said, and of course everyone knows that Satan has a cock made of ice. And I'm like, wait a minute, I was raised devoutly Christian. I guess my mom and the nuns, they forgot to bring up Satan's cock being made out of ice. But she was convinced that that is the way the story goes. So what a lot of people don't know about these enjoy toys is you can make them a lot more intense if you heat them up or cool them down. So, this lady had made the decision to leave this fucker in the freezer overnight. Before so she pulled it out and stuck it up this poor son of a bitch's butt, he broke the bonds. He broke out of the restraints, oh fell off the furniture, was screaming and yelling. She started freaking out. It was a total. Total meltdown, and she, she completely regretted it. <laughs> and ever since then, every, whenever I look at this, this thing, I think to myself, you know, how, how come no one has ever written a song about this? How, how come no one has ever made up a song about an ice dick? Kevin, someone has! Oh my gosh, everyone! It's JC Cassis, the producer of the show, and Josh Nova! Let me get out of there. way. they have a song about an ice dick.
2: Surprised you guys haven't heard it yet. Hello,
4: everybody. We're JC Cassis and Josh Nova. We do, in fact, have a song called Ice Dick. And uh, somehow it's not about freezing an 11 and shoving it up someone's ass. What it is about is uh, it's a new term for getting the cold shoulder from a hot guy who thinks he's too good for you.
2: But it's way worse than the cold shoulder.
4: Way worse than the cold shoulder. It's the ice dick. So um, this song is a lot of fun to sing. We're going to sing it. Uh, and there's, there's a few instances where the chorus happens. In fact, the chorus even starts the song. So listen carefully um, because we'd love you guys to sing the last chorus with us. Can you guys do that? Yes! Okay, uh, so this is Ice Stick. Enjoy.
2: Boy, why you giving me the ice stick? You got a nice stick. You shouldn't keep it to yourself. Boy, why you thinking you that hot shit? You got an ice stick And one day it's gonna melt I like guys with big blue eyes, yeah Just my type, I, I, I know what I like I need a man who understands who gives a, a damn Who comes Come to the party and knows how to dance Ooh, wait a sec, think he's checking me out Move a little closer to see what he's all about Closer now, but he's shutting me down He's giving me the runaround Boy, why you giving me the ice stick? You got an ice stick You shouldn't keep it to yourself Boy, why you thinking you that hot shit? You got an ice stick And one day it's gonna melt Busted up in here and I'm feeling so fly When a sexy little flexing baby boy caught my eye His shirt was tight and his skin had a glisten Getting hollered at all night but he ain't gonna listen I shoved my way through the girls and the boys To his ear I got near but to him it's just noise I never let myself get played out like that Take this hound to the pound Cause I'm busting out the cat Boy, why you giving me the ice stick You got an ice stick You shouldn't keep it to yourself Boy, why you thinking you that hot shit You got an ice stick And one day it's gonna mount Yo, I got shot down. I was iced out too. Had me begging on my knees, now they black and blue. What's a boy to do left alone in the club? He ain't looking for love, just some more free drugs. If he ain't feeling us, what the fuck does he want? Cause we know it ain't dick. And we know it ain't cunt. That's it, I quit, I'm sick of this shit. Looking for love in an ice dick. I, 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 Why you giving me the ice dick? You got a nice dick. You shouldn't keep it to yourself, boy. Why you thinking you that hot shit? You got an ice dick, and one day it's gonna melt. Well, everybody sing, boy. Why you giving me the ice dick? You got a nice dick. You shouldn't keep it to yourself.
0: That is it for this week's episode, folks. This is Corner Shop Behind Me Now, but we just heard from JC Cassis and Josh Nova. A little surprise there. They performed a live song at the end of the first half of the Body and Risk show at the Bell House before we took our intermission. You can find JC Cassis at JC. C-A-S-S-I-S dot com. Now, JC has just released (laughs) an anti-Christmas comedy song. It is hilarious. It's also got a hilarious music video. It's called Christmas is bullshit. Look for it on social media. At J.C. Cassis is where she can be found. Also, Josh Nova is on Instagram at IamJoshNova. And if you want to talk about the Ice Dick song online, just hashtag Ice Dick. Next week's episode, we will feature the second half of the risk slash body collaboration show, and it is gonna be absolutely fabulous. Also, you can always find out where risk is appearing live next at risk-show.com slash tour. Folks, today's the day. (laughs) Take a risk.
4: I get my pm
0: So i tied his his what do you call those uh um white boots he tied his what do you call those uh um white boots he tied his what do you call those uh um white boots he tied his what do you call those uh um white boots Time is is, What do you call those? Well, boots. 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 boots.
2: Thank <laughs> you.